everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, welcome. Today we are talking a lot about little children in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus highlights children um, and the importance that they have in his kingdom, that they are not disregarded as less than. Um, And there are actually two instances where we will see children being brought up today in um, Jesus speaking with his disciples. And one that I have very, very, very much so just easily dismissed over and over again, that I didn't even realize Jesus was still alluding to children and the need that we have to take care of them. Uh, So we are reading in Matthew chapter 18 today. Thank goodness, just one chapter. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, We're not bouncing around today, but we're going to jump right in and start talking about all these instances of little children. So Ryan, what did you notice right away? Uh, It seems like the right answer is what this text had to say about little children. Is that? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I basically meant, did you notice anything specifically like right away about children? Um, I think basically like Jesus is using children here as an object lesson. He loves to use object lessons to like cause people to focus in on something so he can teach them about that thing. So Jesus here uh, first uses a small child to show the disciples who is the greatest. It's very frustrating that the disciples are learning more and more and more about Jesus' death, and it's causing them to worry more and more mm-hmm. about who is the greatest. They are definitely concerned Who's about... Who's up to the bat next? Exactly. They're definitely concerned about secession. Um, they're definitely concerned about who's going to lead this band of people after Jesus is gone. That's so gross, though, if you think about it. It is gross, but if you've ever worked a job <laughs> or if you've yeah. ever... I don't know, like held a role, I guess. Like it's very human nature-y. So the disciples fall victim to this. Jesus knows they are falling victim to this. And this happens to them often. And so Jesus pulls this little kid, I guess, out of the crowd and says, well, you need to be like this kid, which would have been shocking. Right. Uh, I I read somewhere in um, a commentary about specifically about this part of Matthew. So this is like the first section. I believe it's verses one through six. Yeah. Um, where basically it says that children in those times were very easily overlooked. Um, and Jesus is kind of like saying, hey, like, don't you create um, a situation for these little ones to like stumble or not be able to like recognize or feel the closeness of God to them just because they're a child? Like, they have faith just like you do, and they have relationship just like you do with a God who loves them. I suppose one thing that I notice because the children then are the basis of many of the stories. Like, if you look at seven to nine, it's basically talking about don't you dare cause a child to sin, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting and I think applicable today. There are so many conversations about what minors should and shouldn't be doing and Mm -hmm. what minors can do without the permission of their parents. Uh, It seems like at the heart of many of those conversations is people that would like to see children led to sin. So Jesus actually would tell them that it would actually be better off for you to have a millstone stuck on your neck and sink in the water, in the ocean. Yeah. So this is like Jesus sounding like a new New Jersey mobster or something. (laughs) Better to swim with the fishes. Oh my word. Um, 
that that got my attention. To be honest, it got my attention. Yeah. It's like okay, Jesus is saying if you cause children to fall into sin. Now, to me, reading over this, it is difficult because it seems like he goes back and forth to where he's talking about literal, actual children, and when he's talking about young believers. So it seems like he kind of flips back and forth. Um, so to me, it's like difficult to track a little bit. Well, this the idea of a millstone that we actually read about that yesterday too. Uh, but it is such a like, I don't know, it's such a heavy word picture, if you will, because like he's saying it's better off for you to drown in the ocean because you had something tied around your neck that was so heavy you're never going to survive than to lead one of these uh, one of these little ones astray. Um so I think that is that has like special significance um that shows that Jesus truly does care about the little children or those very like young in their faith if we want to go back on that track. Um, but I think that that holds really significant value on little children. Um, and then sp- this is the one that really threw me. So the parable of the lost sheep, uh, as we were reading through it, again, I've heard this a thousand times. I've heard this in sermons left and right about, you know, I mean, in songs, like you are one of the hundred and then Jesus is going to come back for you because you're not with the, the 99. He's going to return you to the flock. Um Actually, like as we were reading this, it it caught my attention that this section starts off with Jesus saying, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. Um, Again, this is like happening right in the same breath as he's telling them about this little child. Um, And he goes on to talk about um, the sheep and going off to find the one that went astray. But then the section ends with it saying, so it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Again, referring to that little child. Um, so I, I looked that up. And again, in my in my commentary that I was looking through, like this is yet another instance where Jesus is referring um, to the importance that God attaches to children um, as Jesus is giving this illustration to his disciples. It's crazy. What makes that crazy? I don't know. I just always assumed that it was like not really talking about kids and mm. the innocence of children and like guarding them. Mm-hmm. I, it always seemed to me like, oh, that's like the sinner goes off and Jesus is going to run after yeah, the sinner. That's kind of what I wanted to talk about a little bit is that Jesus' compassion for sinners is clear. And the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, they were targeting Jesus because he was hanging out with sinners so often. So there's no question that Jesus is making a habit of hanging out with people who are not reputable people. They're not people that are respected in their communities. They're not people who are present in the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not people who are thought of well and fondly. Um, so Jesus is letting them know that he does have like a strong evangelistic heart. The thing that I wanted to call out a little bit is that you can take this too far to where, yeah, okay, like if you're if you're the good shepherd and you leave the 99 to find the one, that's awesome. What you don't want to see happen is you're constantly leaving the 99 to find the one because the one mm-hmm. is never actually part of the flock. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so it's it's important, I think, to keep eyes on that. 
Um, and I think it is important, I guess, since we're talking about evangelism, it is important to understand, I think, that discipleship is the primary role of what we do as believers. Like when we when we gather as the body, we are to be discipled so that we grow in maturity. And as we are discipled, then we're driven to evangelism. And what happens is when those two things get mixed up, and we think that evangelism is why we gather and discipleship we do on our own, um, we end up kind of being these perpetual sheep finders to where n- nobody gets brought into the flock. And there's so much emphasis on going after the So I hope I'm not coming across as insensitive or anything. Um, I, I just think it's really important to hold this concept in balance and understand Jesus' intent here. So he does have a heart for the lost. But he also has a heart that the lost would be found mm-hmm. and then discipled and then matured. And so we wanna we wanna replicate that when we do things. Well, and to kind of get back onto this this child thing quickly and then we can move on from there. Um, because they were so disregarded as like having no importance, I think this also hits home too when he is referring to them like he cares about children so much that like they aren't just something off to the wayside. He wants none of them to go astray, so he is willing to go and seek them because they are worthy of being a part of that relationship, that family of God, of, with God. And that whole thing is kicked off by a conversation about who is the greatest. And so Jesus is making a point yeah. that that there is no greatest. Like, the greatest among you is the least among you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. look out for the least among you. Right. Um, which I think compels Peter to say, okay, how often do I have to forgive people then? So I think Peter's actually tracking very similar feelings to what I'm feeling. Like, okay, I get it, but how often are you allowed to just keep sinning? Mm -hmm. And Jesus tells him, like, you need to forgive your brother a bunch of times, basically 77 is what it says here. But then Jesus talks about how if somebody refuses um, to be like realigned with the church. If somebody refuses correction from the church, they should be treated as a tax collector or a Gentile, which is pretty extreme. So even here with what Jesus is teaching, there is grace for the unbeliever, but also correction for the believer and correction to the point that they're basically cast out, which was like the first century understanding Mm -hmm. of what it meant to be a disciple. There are two views of this concept of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 18. Uh, The first is that when Jesus says, treat them like you would a Gentile or a tax collector, he means that they basically like did not associate with Gentiles and tax collectors. They hated Gentiles and tax Mm -hmm. collectors. So it's like this picture of like excommunication, like, hey, you're out. Um, The second view of that is how did Jesus treat Gentiles and tax collectors. So in the context of what Jesus is already teaching, talking about the least of these, talking about going out of his way to find the lost, Mm -hmm. um, Jesus treated Gentiles and tax collectors very differently than the rest of the people because he was always spending his time with them. So you can take the extreme side of, of both. Like one, you end up excommunicating everybody. You're on this extreme discipline side. The other side is like this extreme, just love everybody and eventually they'll get it right. I think the reality is in the middle. 
where it is we're always pursuing restoration, always, 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 always. Mm -hmm. And so when we do come to a place where somebody is being disciplined by the church, which is what Paul encourages later on, um, you can actually see in 1 Corinthians where he uh, suggests that a man be cut off and handed over to Satan. Uh, But then in 2 Corinthians, Paul's saying, hey, what happened to that guy? Is he like back in or is mm-hmm. he still drifting? Like maybe we need to figure this out. So restoration is the key to this stuff, I think, because we don't want to be excited that we have excommunicated somebody. We don't want to forget that we've excommunicated someone. We want to pursue them, but we also don't want to just turn a blind eye over and over and over well, again. It's the same grace that Jesus showed us. Like we are like damned to hell if not for him. And not for the grace that God has given. So, like, we are in the same place. And Jesus came still knowing that, like, we need to face final judgment. That that never goes away. <laughs> but gives the opportunity for us through grace to be able to, like, mm-hmm. overcome that because he overcame that. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's important to think about through this discipline thing. Um, because so many churches and communities and groups of people do this so goofily Goofily. and it it ends up hurting a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not wrong to discipline people, but when you discipline people poorly or when you treat somebody one way and treat somebody else another way, uh, basically when you are not loving the children, um, that's problematic. It's, it's not great. And so we want to seek restoration. We want to handle these things well. And even more than that, we want to understand what God's word says so that mm-hmm. we do it according to what God has commanded us. Um, so there's plenty to, to think over here just from this one chapter here in Matthew 18. Uh, I encourage you to think through, like, is there somebody in your life that you need to forgive? And maybe it feels like, man, I've already forgiven that person a lot. Well, it seems like Jesus would ask you to forgive them again. And then on top of that, like, is there people in your community that need some need some discipline, need some confrontation? Uh, don't allow that to go unseen and unnoticed. Like handle that. Like call people up so that they don't end up in a place where they're blindsided by the fact that they've been missing the mark so often. Uh, so that would be my your parts for today. Uh, things I'm thinking about. We'll be back again tomorrow with John seven to eight. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing, uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. Matthew chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin It would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptations come. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. 
And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two of these along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one who was brought to him owed ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported their master all that they had seen take place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.